You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 421 of this podcast. I have got quite the mashup for you. In this episode, today being Saturday, July 2nd, 2022, we are going to talk about what is a man. Matt Walsh recently asked people all over the world, what is a woman? I think we need to ask what a man is. (laughs) What is a man? Woman was taken out of man. And maybe the reason we don't know what a woman is has a lot to do with the fact that we don't know what a man is. Can I just say that? Yes, I am patriarchal. And I don't know how else to be in my beliefs, in my theology, my anthropology. I don't know what else to be except for patriarchal. When I read the scriptures, Call me old-fashioned. I really don't particularly mind being called old-fashioned when I consider what the new fashion is. But really now, what is a man? You can go back over my podcast episodes in recent months and find where I did a book review of Jesus and John Wayne by Kristen Kobes Dumez. And you can even listen to recent podcast episodes in which I have dropped hints here and there with regards to my thoughts, feelings, opinions, convictions regarding Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. This question of toxic masculinity, which is very much in the conversation socially, politically, theologically, ecclesiastically. We talk about it in the circles I run in. What is toxic masculinity? What does it mean to be masculine? And what are some caricatures of masculinity? What are some stereotypes with regards to masculinity? Do we believe that gender is a social construct, first and foremost? And insofar as it may be, is that such a bad thing? Really, we say that as if it's to be assumed that a social construct is a negative thing. But in some measure, we're talking about culture. And culture, generally speaking, we celebrate, particularly when we're talking about other cultures and diversity. I grew up reading National Geographic, for instance, and we still subscribe to National Geographic. If I only had one subscription, it would be to the National Geographic magazine. And what I've enjoyed my whole life, for as long as I can remember, about National Geographic is not principally, first and foremost, the pictures of landscapes, mountains, hills, valleys, trees, forests, deserts, oceans, outer space, technology, not even first and foremost, diverse wildlife, although I do enjoy articles on especially rare exotic 
animals from faraway lands? No, what has always been the most interesting to me is when National Geographic covers some foreign culture, some culture that I maybe have some awareness of but don't know much about. I especially enjoy when there is some archaeological discovery, some ruined temple complex or palace or grave that has been excavated and here are the artifacts that tell us something about the people who lived here and their civilization and their family life and their conflicts and their triumphs and their hopes and their fears and what they believed about themselves and one another and their place in the world. I have always been absolutely fascinated by that. Even in the present day, you know, we look at a lot of the coverage of current events around the world, and there is a propriety to being fascinated and genuinely interested in culture. And in particular, the comparing contrast you can do when you encounter someone else's culture and you suddenly realize things about your own culture that maybe are not as obvious if it's all you know. I have always wanted to travel to Europe and in particular certain countries in Europe where I've read literature or history and I want those places to be real to me and I want to have some interaction with them. I want to touch them. I want to be there and walk those ruins and meet those people and have them meet me and see how they respond and how they react. Now, of course, when we're talking about thousands of years between, you can't quite meet people who have been dead a long time, but maybe you can go to a local museum where a lot of artifacts about them are present, where their descendants are still walking the streets, living and working and raising families and living. But culture is not, generally speaking, a bad thing. Culture is a necessary thing that sometimes, because people being people, we have a sinful nature to contend with. Sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we get the wrong idea about something regarding God and man and the universe. But culture generally is a necessary thing. You have to have culture, just like you have to have politics. You can't get away from politics because politics really, what it boils down to is just the process by which we make decisions together. That's all it is. How do we decide together what to do about some important opportunity or threat that needs to be reckoned with? We're going to either pass up this opportunity or take it we're going to either confront this threat or buy it off or delay it or avoid it. Culture, generally speaking, is a good and necessary thing, even though the devil's in the details. Well, so also with gender being a social construct, all you're really telling me is that some of how we express ourselves as women or men has to do with culture and what our culture considers appropriate or necessary? What's expected of you? To say that I don't want any expectations on me whatsoever 
is folly. Where does that come from and where is it going, more to the point? If your culture is not allowed to have any expectations on you, at some point you become a completely autonomous person, but that is to say you will be homeless. You need to have a culture. You need to have a sense of purpose and belonging. If you are a part of a community, you should have some relationship to the community and you should have some people group that you can call home. There's a reason why we get the feeling very insecure if we don't have that. We should have that. It's good for us to have that. Alienation is uncomfortable because it is dangerous and it's not healthy. But where we ask this question of what is a man, I think of some words that typically characterize men especially. And it isn't to say that only men are characterized by these words or these ideas or these adjectives, these traits, but it is to say that men typically are characterized by these traits in greater measure relative other traits. So for instance, courage. Men typically are more courageous. And that isn't to say only men are courageous or that all men are courageous, but it is to say that men typically are more courageous. Strong. Men are typically stronger. And this isn't to say that all men are strong. It isn't to say that only men are strong, but it is to say that men are typically stronger. Wisdom. Men who are good men are wise. And this isn't to say that all men are wise, but all men should aspire to being wise and to getting wisdom. Provision. Men historically have been providers, the hunters and the gatherers. And women, meanwhile, have historically been the caretakers, at least for civilizations which will continue on, which will have a future. Men typically are the providers and you typically associate provision with men, and you typically associate caretaking with women, by contrast. That isn't to say that men can't take care, but it is to say that women are suited for it in a way that men aren't, and men are suited for provision in a way that women are not. It doesn't mean that women are not suited for provision when the need arises, but it is to say that men are more suited and that's why it's good for a young woman to have a husband to provide for her. And it is good for men to provide for the members of their own household and to do so diligently. Leadership. Men typically are leaders. And you can say that's a social construct. And I would say, so what? It's not just a social construct, but so what if it is also a social construct? Men typically are leaders in their homes, in their communities, in society, in the church, in business, and in nations and empires. Men typically are the leaders. And this is related to their other traits, courage, strength, wisdom, provision. Men are not always good leaders. <laughs> you can be a leader in a bad way, but men exercise leadership, whether they lead astray those who follow them, or they lead them into prosperity and peace and abundance and happiness and godliness. That is very, very important. But even when they don't lead, 
into those states of being. They're still leading. So a man, to my mind, a good man, more to the point, is characterized by leadership. Humility also, and here we could also say confidence. I think that is a subset of courage. But humility marks a good man, in part because a good man has wisdom and a good man has courage, but a good man knows the limits of his own strength, and that teaches him humility. Humility is something of a subset of wisdom, but it also pertains to his ability to know when to call that good enough. That's enough. I don't need to do any more. That's enough. Humility. I'm going to treat this person with respect because I have the humility to recognize my own limitations and to regard their need for respect as well, not only my own need to get respect. A good man is marked by humility. And this doesn't mean that only men are marked by humility. In fact, I think often humility comes as easy or easier for women, but I suppose that's debatable when you consider feminism. Reverence also. I think a good man is reverent. And again, this is all related to, tied up with a man being wise when he's a good man, being courageous when he's a good man, and being humble when he's a good man. But a good man reveres God, fears God. The man of God is marked by reverence. And bad men are irreverent, which means that they don't respect God and they don't respect other people who respect God. But from there, I want to talk with you about three principal areas that I believe are a test for men in general, but specifically me as a man. Three areas in which I have been tested. And to make it interesting, (laughs) they are eclectic, but one of the areas has to do with our relationship to mountains. Another area has to do with our relationship to hunting. And third and final, what is a man's relationship to vasectomies? (laughs) These are all impersonal in some sense, but they're deeply personal. And particularly for me, coming from Montana originally, being born and raised for much of my life in Montana, Montana is literally the Spanish word for mountain. So the state that I was born in is literally the mountain state. It is in the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains are in Montana. Not just Montana, but Montana is marked by them in a distinct way. But the part of Montana that I'm from is not the mountainous side. Western Montana is mountains, Glacier National Park and whatnot, a bit of Yellowstone National Park. But I come from the eastern side of Montana, right on the border of North Dakota, where you don't have mountains, really. What you have is badlands and dry ground and the Yellowstone River. What you have is a lot of coolies and not a lot of trees, actually. Usually, it's pretty dry on the eastern side of the state, and there are 
wild horses and deer, occasionally a moose, not so much in the way of elk, although there are elk in eastern Montana, mountain lions, despite the fact that we don't really have mountains on the eastern side of the state, coyotes aplenty, various other small animals, birds, pronghorn antelope. But I tried climbing a mountain a number of years ago with several men from church. In fact, it was all the men who made up the leadership of the church, who made up the governing board of the church. I was a deacon at the time, and we had a plan. I didn't come up with the plan, but I was asked if I was interested in coming along to climb Granite Peak. And I just assumed, since I was being asked, that I was up for it. If you're asking, well, that implies that you think I can do this. And if you think I can do this, sure. And so I said yes and proceeded to get things ready supplies-wise. I did a little bit of working out, but then the week or two before we were going to make our attempt, I got sick and that derailed my working out, plus also made me weaker. Plus also, when we actually made the attempt, I remember we parked in the parking lot at the trailhead and started hiking in late at night. And as we were hiking, it started to rain and then the rain turned into snow and I got very, very wet and very, very cold. And I didn't sleep a lick once we got to our campsite where we set up our tents, unrolled sleeping bags. My sleeping bag was soaked and I was soaked. And I laid awake all night for what was left of the night anyways, after we had hiked in, listening to the sound of the snow falling on the tent. And I shivered and I didn't sleep. And then we woke up, or some of us woke up, I should say, those of us who were dry and slept at all, woke up, made a fire, warmed up a little bit, ate some breakfast, and we set off to hiking up the mountain. And all the while, it's snowing, and it was a very early snow, and it was a pretty significant snow. And of course, the higher you go up into the mountain, the deeper the snow is getting, And there's these switchbacks, back and forth and back and forth. And not just me, also another of our number, had never done anything like this before, and he wasn't doing super great either. It was very cold, and we ended up turning back. In fact, I pushed hard for us to turn back after quite a bit of hiking and back and forth and back and forth up the switchbacks. I pushed for us to turn around. And I didn't want to, and I got a little bit of dismissal the first few times that I suggested it. But at the end of the day, I was afraid for my safety and for the safety of my compatriot, who was having a hard time getting warm and didn't look so hot. And so we did turn back. And that has bothered me ever since. And yet I'm alive to be bothered. (laughs) And that does not bother me. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad to be alive. And also, I realized something as we were making our way back down, and I was seldom in life more relieved than when we did finally decide to turn around and come back down. 
But I realized something about myself that I don't really need to climb mountains, actually. I don't, that's not something I need to do. If I had it to do over again, I would have packed lighter and I would have not gotten sick the week or two before and I would have worked out more in preparation. I would have been stronger and carried less and made sure that my sleeping bag was shut properly before hiking in the rain and the snow, only to find that my sleeping bag was drenched and cold. But I realized that I didn't really have any special desire to climb mountains, actually. The reason I had jumped at the chance to go was because I wanted to hang out with those men, and I also didn't want to shy away from a challenge, particularly if I could do it. But then there's a difference between being able to do a thing and needing to do a thing, and there are other things that need to be done in life. You realize in such moments, like, for instance, live and raise a family (laughs) who depends on you. But there was another, I guess you could say, reminder of this realization back in November. My wife and I went to Divide, Colorado, rented a cabin for three days. We got away, just she and I celebrated my 35th birthday and our 15th wedding anniversary. And the fact that I had just the day that we left, actually the morning that we left, been offered a job doing what I do now, doing systems integration. And the last day before we came home, we decided, and by we, I mean I, realizing that my wife really wanted to and might enjoy it, we decided to make an attempt to drive up Pikes Peak in our pickup. And I, here again, didn't realize what I was getting myself into. But we started up, and then as we're going, I'm seeing signs encouraging drivers to turn off their air conditioning so that they don't overheat their vehicle as they're going up. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's a disconcerting thought that your vehicle would overheat on your way up this mountain. And then what? (laughs) Then what would happen? (laughs) So we're making our way up. And another troubling sign was when we came through a checkpoint where park rangers had temperature guns and they were taking the temperature of brakes on vehicles coming down Pikes Peak to make sure those brakes were not overheating because it's steep. And what you don't want is your brakes to fail on you because they've overheated. And this too produced a very uncomfortable thought because I have an imagination. And all of a sudden I'm imagining what it would be like if one was coming down Pikes Peak and their brakes gave out. And that was a very uncomfortable thought for me. I was just very, very unsettling. Uh, Even though we were going up it, what goes up must come down. We're not going to just stay up there. But the manner of coming down is important. Uh, It's very important. It's not enough to just come down any old way. The manner of coming down is very important. (laughs) We got above the tree line. Uh, significantly up above the tree line. In fact, we 
were in what's known as, I believe, the Devil's Playground, or we were just shy of the Devil's Playground, which should tell you something, right? Like when you call it that, yeah, anyway. We turned around the second to last switchback, or what I should say is I was freaking out and feeling lightheaded and feeling a little bit dizzy and I did not trust myself, especially with my wife sitting there right next to me. Uh, I was just extremely uncomfortable with my ability to finish that drive and to do so safely. And I pulled off. <laughs> it's just, just like, there's no part of this that I enjoyed uh, except for coming down um, and getting off that mountain. But I'm freaking out and I just pull off, parked, and just tried to take a couple of deep breaths, slow, deep breaths. And then what I did was, and it freaks me out even just to think of it and remember it, because there really was no proper turnaround spot right there. I just popped it in reverse and I did like a six point turnaround on the second to last switchback uh, before Devil's Playground. And of course I talked with Lauren first and she said she hadn't even realized that I was freaking out uh, because I was being very calm and very quiet and just keeping my eyes on the road. And that got us as far as we got, but then it was time to turn around because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't conquer my fear, but I could conquer my vanity and I could conquer what people might say about us having turned around. It was more important to me that we get down safely than that I prove to myself and other people that we could get to the top. And so we did. We turned around, we came back down, and I was very glad to. But there is a question there, right? Am I less a man because of that? You know, I think of when I was a kid and I closed my eyes coming down the stairs. It was supposed to be nap time. I was very young. And I closed my eyes and I was going to try and sneak past my mom and her friend who were having coffee in the living room. And of course, my eyes being closed, I thought they couldn't see me, which is irrational. And I know that now. Uh, but also too, it's not an especially wise way to come down the stairs or else, again, the manner of the coming down is important you may find that you do what I did and you fall down the stairs. So I did, I fell down the stairs and of course they noticed. But my point is, I think that I am glad even not having made it to the top of Granite Peak or Pikes Peak to have made it as far as I did and also to have turned around and made it safely down again with my eyes open. Now, moving on to another category <laughs> concerning this question of what is a man. I used to hunt. I got into hunting in eastern Montana. I never owned any firearms until we moved back to Montana in 2012. And the oil and gas industry in full swing, oil prices above $100 like now. There were men from all over the world, certainly all over the country, some very rough types, some very 
disreputable types. It was very much a Wild West atmosphere. And I was committed to putting my family, my wife and our four kids, out in the country. But also, when you're out in the country, you have wild animals. You might have a coyote come along and try to hurt one of your kids. Or you might have some other wild animal, like a mountain lion, come along and try and hurt one of your kids or your wife or you. And then also, too, even though you're out in the middle of nowhere, you might have some disreputable criminal type come out there thinking they can cause trouble for you. And so we bought a shotgun, and then subsequently I bought more guns over the years. And at a certain point, I decided I need to learn how to hunt. My sons are getting old enough to where I think... I want to teach them how to hunt and I want to go hunting with my sons. And so then I start asking men I know who hunt if they could teach me how to hunt. I don't know how to hunt. I know how to shoot a gun, loosely speaking, not necessarily uh, an expert marksman, but I do okay. So can you guys teach me how to hunt? There's more to hunting than just shooting. There's also where do you look for deer or elk and how do you stalk them? And how do you strategize taking a shot or trying to get closer or seeing if they'll come closer to you or picking the right one or then field dressing the deer and getting it out of there? And then also, too, how do I process this game? Do I want to take it to somebody and have them do it for me and I pay them? Or do I want to learn how to do it myself? And I've hunted with friends. I've hunted just a little bit with my sons. But it's been three years since I last went hunting. Over three years, actually. Probably closer to four at this point. I did not go hunting in 2019 or 20 or 21. And now in 2022, I don't know if I will go hunting this coming season. But in 2019, my wife had a major knee surgery about this time, actually. It was this weekend, uh, three years ago that she had a major knee surgery in Billings, Montana. And just a few weeks before that, we traded in our 2008 Hyundai Elantra. We had bought new for a Ford F-150. And one of the reasons I was excited about getting that pickup that is parked out in our driveway is I thought, oh, great. I won't have to go with a friend who's got a pickup because I'll be the one who's got a pickup. And if I just want to take my sons out hunting, just them and me, We'll have everything that we need to be able to bring the animal home. I won't have to borrow. I won't have to go with somebody else. I won't have to work around their schedule. I won't have to have them driving me like I'm a kid again. I can drive. And if I have my own pickup, I can take my sons. We'll go hunting and it'll be great. And I still hope for that at some point. But life intervened, right? Here again, it was a question of priorities. Do I want to go hunting as much as I want to make sure that my wife is able to recover from knee surgery? Or, as it happened, we ended up moving to Colorado. Do I want to go hunting here in eastern Montana? Or do I want to get my family moved to Colorado where my kids can get a better education? Where my wife can get better health care? Where I can get a job in the oil and gas industry and expand my skill set? I'm going to do that, and the hunting will just have to wait. So we moved to Colorado, and I missed out on the 2019 hunting season. 
It was the first time in several years that I had not gone deer hunting or elk hunting with friends. 2020 happened. Pandemic shut things down, also tightened budgets. Also, my job at the time really did not give me any time off to speak of, even when I tried to take vacation time to write my book on homeschooling. I spent the first of those two weeks working because they kept calling me out there and pressuring me. And it didn't matter that it was the holidays and also that I was on vacation because they let my alternate also take vacation simultaneously, even though I asked first, which is ridiculous, just ridiculous. Not a great way to keep a guy around. (laughs) Just saying. 2021 as well. Uh, you know, I could say things had improved in some ways, but they got much, much worse for the work situation in other ways. And so then the thought is, do I go hunting for some deer and some elk, or do I hunt for a job that allows me to provide for my family in a more holistic way? And I chose to hunt for a job that was going to allow for me to provide for my family not just fairly financially, but also to be here, to be here in person and not just calling and texting from an hour or two away, not getting called out in the middle of the night and on the weekends and on holidays and on birthdays and on vacation, but being home when I'm home. In fact, being home quite a lot to be able to parent, to be able to love my wife and connect with her and converse with her and support her and encourage her to be able to teach my sons and my daughter and hear them when they want to tell me something and be able to observe them and study them and father them. So that is to say, I have this truck and I have guns and I have firearms and I've got ammunition. I've got the bullets. I've got the hunting stuff. I've got (laughs) the gear have something of the knowledge and the skill set, but I haven't been hunting for three years. And there's a question there too. Does that make me less of a man? What about men who have never been hunting? They have never hunted in their lives and it would make them very, very uncomfortable. And they don't want to. Haven't ever, don't want to, won't ever. Does that make them less a man? You know, the funny thing with regards to both is There's a danger, not just in what you're doing if you climb a mountain or if you go hunting. Few things will make the hair on your neck stand up faster than when you are hiking around in the Little Belt Mountains of, I guess you could say, central Montana, certainly farther west than Sydney and Glendive, but you hear howling and the sun is going down or has gone down, and you're hiking out. Now, it helps when you're with buddies and you have firearms. That definitely helps, but there's a danger. There's a danger as you're hunting that some creature could come out and maybe not run away from you before it runs into you accidentally, and you could be hurt. You could be injured. You could fall, break a leg, break your neck. I mean, you you could have an accident hunting with regards to the firearm itself, a misfire. You could get hurt. But also too, there are 
opportunity costs. As I am trying to conquer this mountain or my fear of this mountain, as I'm trying to go and get a deer or an elk, there are other things that I am not doing that maybe I need to. Maybe I don't. I look forward to a day when I don't and where not per se a mountain, but some game, some hunting is the only thing I need to be doing today, this week, again. That'll be fun. But I think here of, not first and foremost, what will be said of me, few to none in eastern Montana certainly would have criticized me for going hunting or going and trying to climb a mountain, while other things in life could have been attended to. Pretty well everybody would say, oh yeah, cool. But it's not a question of being afraid of people's opinion of me, either because I did those things for a number of years and would like to do them again, or because I turned around or have not done those things or not done those things to completion or recently. Third and finally, let's talk about vasectomies (laughs) and how I don't see them in the Bible. (laughs) An honest question, what are we to make of men getting vasectomies? From time to time, I have men who volunteer that they have had a vasectomy, and I still don't quite fully understand why they feel the need to share that with me. I don't need to know that. I don't particularly want to know that, and I'm actually sad. It makes me sad when you tell me it. So why are you telling me this thing? Jordan Peterson here recently got suspended from Twitter for commenting on Elliot Page, formerly Ellen Page's double mastectomy, which is to say that Elliot Page, as this person now prefers to be called, had both breasts surgically removed. And one might ask, why? Why mutilate yourself that way? Why have your breasts surgically removed? And the answer might be because I don't intend to have any children. Because I don't identify as a woman. I identify as a man. But Jordan Peterson, having criticized this publicly, because it's a piece of the transgender push right now, and it's disturbing that we would mutilate ourselves, that there are medical professionals out there who will enrich themselves performing these surgeries where they are mutilating men and women so that those men and women can convince themselves and the world that they are whatever they say they are. Jordan Peterson is suspended because supposedly he was engaging in hateful conduct and speech to point out the insanity of getting a double mastectomy so that you can appear to be a man. And of course, he's saying he would rather die than delete that tweet. Twitter has said, you can be restored to your former position of being able to speak when you delete this tweet. And he said, I would rather die than cater to your woke moralism. No, I will never delete that tweet. No. And good on him for that. He shouldn't delete the tweet. Give a mouse a cookie. 
If they do that to him, and they've already done it to me, well, then they have us. And they may already think they have us, which is why they're trying it. But don't go encouraging them. It's the principle of the thing. And yet even so, here's the question. Is Ellen Page, as she was formerly known, now Elliot Page, getting a double mastectomy, is that so much better than men getting vasectomies? Is it so much better? Truly, this is a question that I have. Is it possible that transgenderism is downstream men neutering themselves? Is it possible that this is of a piece with the sexual revolution? I would say yes. Is this possibly of a piece with the topic of George Grant's short biography of Margaret Sanger, Killer Angel? I would say yes. By the way, and I'm not going to do a full podcast book review of it, but you should read Killer Angel about Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, and before that, the Birth Control League. She is arguably the biggest villain of the 20th century and perhaps the history of the world. The death toll, which could be attributed to her, arguably outstrips the biggest mass murderers in the 20th century and in history, for that matter. Hitler, Stalin, Mao, amateurs. Margaret Sanger? Thanks to Margaret Sanger, we have aborted 60 million of our own children in this country under the watchful and approving eye of our own government. Plus also, she helped to kickstart the sexual revolution and feminism. And downstream of the sexual revolution and feminism is the LGBTQ movement. This is a logical progression where we are just torturing and destroying ourselves in slow motion. Talk about social constructs. What kind of social constructs are we adhering to when we voluntarily, men, have ourselves neutered? Is there a little bit of hypocrisy in criticizing Ellen slash Elliot Page for getting a double mastectomy while at the same time so many men get vasectomies? You're mutilating yourself. Yes, a medical professional is doing it. Yes, lots of men are having it done. But you have decided that the way that God made you is not to your liking. And it would be better for you to not be functional. Now, to my mind, it's a bit like this pickup in the driveway. One of the reasons I was excited about us being able to uh, get this pickup was that I could take my son's hunting in it, four-wheel drive, lots of room. And if we bagged a deer, we could throw the deer in the bed of the truck, bring it home, hang it up, butcher it. But whether I, <laughs> whether I have gone hunting in that pickup in the last three years is beside the point. Do I just say, well, I'm never going to go hunting again, or I haven't gone hunting for three years, and I don't know if I ever want to again. So I'm going to not get rid of the truck. I'm just going to disable it. That's silly. Except in the case of the truck, at least this is something we made. This is something we built. So if we want to build it differently, we think it could be better without a truck bed, or if we want to trade it in for some little Miata or Honda Civic or whatever, we're free to do that. But there is something categorically different when we're dealing with something God made 
about our bodies. This is the way we were designed and we modify it. There's something different about that categorically. I do think that transgenderism is downstream men having themselves neutered. I do think that those things are related. And actually, I would say that the feminism that led to the legalization of abortion and birth control and the enactment of no-fault divorce laws and then subsequently the LGBTQ movement, I think all of it is in some measure related to men having forgotten what it means to be men and specifically men of God. Can we be good men in any sense if we are not men of God, if we don't fear God? You know, I recently quipped to my wife as I was commenting on the Slack channel for church, some of the concerns that I have with regards to Gentle and Lowly, since our church is going through that book this summer. And I shared some of my concerns privately before I shared on the Slack channel. But I'm typing this up and my wife makes mention of her dad coming to visit us and possibly her brother, her younger brother, Chris, coming to visit us at some point and how she thinks it would be really, really fun to go up Pike's Peak with her dad or her brother or both because they would do it. And of course, you know, if she wants to go up Pike's Peak, um, I'm not super comfortable with that for the same reasons that I'm not comfortable going up Pike's Peak. It's not safe per se. Some will argue with me. Oh no, it's perfectly safe. I've done it lots of times. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's safe, right? But I told her, I quipped. I said, you know, again, I've just realized about myself that I don't need to climb mountains. I don't need to be at the top of mountains. I enjoy mountains. I like seeing them from down here. I like being in the shadow of mountains. I like looking up at them. I think they're beautiful. I like being in mountains. I don't like being on top of mountains. I don't need to be on top of mountains. That is just not my kind of courage, I guess. But this, this commenting on the Slack channel for church, some concerns I have about some of the theology in Gentle and Lowly, I guess this is my courage. This is my climbing mountains. Not everybody who has the guts to climb a mountain has the courage to say things that might offend, even though that's not the intention to offend. Odds are high that someone will be, or several people will be offended. But I think the big underlying question in all of this, really, as we're considering what is a man, the big underlying question is, what did God make us to do and to be about? That's the big question. And I've said, ever since we turned around during the attempt on Granite Peak years ago, I think I could do it if someone were in danger. As in, somebody broke their leg and you guys need help getting them down off the mountain. And I said years ago, if we ever did anything like this again, I would just stay back at camp with some books and uh, journal and do some writing and do some reading, do some hiking around Mystic Lake, I think it was. And that would be great. And I'd, I'll stay down at base camp. You guys can leave some stuff behind here in case you need it. And then that'll lighten your packs. But I'll stay down here. And I think I could do it. I could get up there to help you guys if one of you 
got injured and needed me. But going up it just to go up it for bragging rights, I don't need that. I don't want that, actually. So the question is with hunting as well. At the root, what am I doing when I go hunting? Am I just hiking around the wilderness with a gun? Am I looking for bragging rights, the biggest buck, the biggest bull, a great story? There's nothing wrong with those things. But if my goal was to put food on the table for my family, and yet a better way I can do that right this moment is to hunt for a new job, well, then I need to do that because that's the more productive fulfillment of the principle right now. I pray that that changes in future seasons, maybe this upcoming season. But the principle is, what did God put me here to do? What does God want me to be doing with my life? Why am I here? What is a man? Well, what does God say a man is? You know, I think of with regards to vasectomies or fear of heights, mountains being high up, or hunting, what God says to Adam and then later to Noah, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. If I can exercise dominion over creation, the part of creation that God has assigned to me better by hunting, I want to go hunting. If I can, by climbing a mountain, I want to climb that mountain. The vasectomies thing, I don't, again, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I don't see it. It's not in there. Uh, I do see eunuchs referenced in the Bible, but not as prescriptive. They're described, but they're not necessarily held up as examples to emulate. But I do see, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So what is a man? If a man is created in God's image, a man should be reverent, bold, authoritative, humble, wise, strong, courageous. If a man is given a wife, well, he should be loving and patient, understanding, kind. He should provide for her and protect her. If he's given children, he should be compassionate. He should provide for and protect them. He should lead them. He should teach them. And this is why we homeschool. Again, I think before we can answer what a woman is, we have to ask the question and answer the question of what a man is in our day. And I don't think that a man is necessarily one who goes out and bags the trophy bowl year after year. But he might go out and do some elk hunting and some deer hunting if that's going to benefit his family, if that's going to honor God, if that's going to bless the people in his sphere better than anything else he could be doing that day or that week, then he will. And it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to climb Granite Peak or he's going to drive up Pikes Peak all the way, but it might mean that he does if somebody needs him to, or it might mean that he turns around and he comes back down if that's what they need him to do. And again, with the vasectomies thing, I just changed my mind, but I don't think you've got, (laughs) I don't think you've got a good argument. I don't think you can come up with a good argument for why that is good or wise or necessary. I just don't. Could be wrong. I could be just totally missing something. By all means, point it out to me. I can learn. I can be taught new things, but 
the vast majority of the cases I hear, we're, we're either talking about a guy who's got one kid or two kids or three kids. And, oh, man, like I just can't. I can't imagine having eight kids, man. Like that's just sounds exhausting. I can barely keep up with the two or three that I have. It's like, okay, well, maybe you should do better and try harder and get stronger and get wiser and grow up. And maybe, just maybe, we need to be careful that we're not having a double standard where we say, oh man, that's crazy that these young men and these young women are getting these surgeries, gender reassignment surgeries, where would they get that idea that that's necessary, that's good? Oh, where did you get the idea that getting a vasectomy was a good idea? Right? Where, in closing, in closing, I should close before I get myself into trouble or any more trouble, at least for this episode. We should fear God and we should not fear man. We should be courageous, strong, wise, able to provide able to lead, and we should be humble, and we should revere the Lord our God. We should be ready to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. And we should enjoy God's creation. Absolutely. I respect, by the way, men who are not afraid of heights, who are not unsteady at heights. I respect men who climb mountains for fun. You have to be in really good shape and really disciplined to do it. I am just not that way. It's not me. And I have other strengths that I apply myself to. And I'm content with that, really. While at the same time admiring men who have what it takes and they regularly demonstrate that. As for hunting, I think hunting is great. I love hunting. I think if you have the ability to get a firearm, become proficient with it, get some gear, it can be a little spendy. Don't think you're going to bag all this meat and save all this money. Although with meat prices being such as they are these days, it might not be <laughs> the case anymore. But you don't have to have a whole lot. You can get an orange vest and a water bottle and a backpack, and some basic knives, a bone saw, a rifle and some bullets, and a hunting license. Make sure you follow all the applicable laws, but... Great exercise, fresh air, sunshine, a great experience. It'll clear it'll clear your head. It'll clear the air in the way that you think about some other things. But also, too, sometimes it just doesn't work out because there are other things to attend to. And that's okay, too. That doesn't make you less of a man. The big question is, are you attending to what you need to be attending to, to the best of your abilities? So help you God. Again, with vasectomies, don't do it. Like, I'm not going to make any excuses for you. Change my mind if you caught something in the scriptures that I missed, but I just think it's folly and weird and sad. You're free to do it, yeah, but that doesn't mean you should do it. I think there's lots of really great principled arguments to not to. By God's grace, we are men if he made us men. By God's grace, we can look to the scriptures and we can ask him for wisdom. By God's grace, he can give us strength and wisdom and understanding. And he will bless us as we choose to be men to his glory for the benefit of those in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, in our businesses, in our nation. But I got to run. That's all the time I've got for this episode. 
As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.